You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. We're in a 10-week sermon series on the Ten Commandments, dedicating one week to each command. On today's podcast, we're actually trying to cover two weeks' worth of sermons since we were unable to record last week's episode. So, we're covering a lot of ground today. Buckle up. From two weeks ago, we're talking about the difference between idols and gods, as well as how we are prone to easily see the pagan idols, or we or others may worship, but we find it harder to identify the good or churchy things that we may have set up as idols in our lives. Then, from this week's message on not taking the Lord's name in vain, we're discussing how the original Hebrew language gives us potentially a very different understanding of this commandment than what we may have grown up believing. So, how important is it to know Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic as you study God's Word? Are these things essential to knowing God's intent in these passages? We also spend time sharing some practical resources to help you. Thanks for joining us today. This is After the Message. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast this week. We're welcome glad to you, here. Mike. Hey, thank Good you, Chase. Greek. Welcome <laughs> to morning. Mike Hate. Chase, hey, I'm, Mike Hate. I'm glad that you're on Mike today. Thanks. I'm glad I... Never mind. Yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> We're so happy you're here, buddy. <laughs> um, so, uh, so... It's good to see everybody because, you know, we didn't get together last week. So, you know, if you're a regular listener to this podcast. All uh, the hundreds and thousands that's right. of you. you. You know that we did not post one last week because of the winter apocalypse that came through. <laughs> not once, but twice. That's pretty unbelievable, yeah. Even Walmart shut down. It's, it's yes. crazy. It got wild out there. It did get wild. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, we, you know, we normally re- would record this on Monday. We didn't. We had already rescheduled last week. Uh, for Tuesday because of the holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day on right. uh, on Monday, and so uh, and then we had the the apocalypse come through, <laughs> and uh, we closed the offices on Tuesday, so we rescheduled to Wednesday, and then we ended up closing again on Wednesday, and finally we just gave up and said, "Hey, we'll just cover two weeks <laughs> worth on this week's podcast." Yeah. So we apologize. I, I, look, I had a conversation last week, and a friend of mine just said, "Hey, can we just go ahead and admit it?" Like. As Southerners, we are not equipped to deal with cold weather. <laughs> like we just, we just don't know. It's so foreign to us. That, yeah, well, like, I think, we just, I we think just go stupid. You know, so, when I was growing up, we lived in Michigan for a short time, and and uh, from Florida, so Florida to Michigan, then back to Florida, uh, and yeah, you know, I mean, like our cities aren't equipped with the 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 right things to even you know, tackle those sorts of issues. I mean, you know, when yeah. you, when you live up North, I mean, they've got snow yeah. plows and stores of salt and, you know, all sorts of things that they put everywhere, but yep. we just don't have that stuff down there. I know. And then the other, the other side of that coin is true. Like Northerners aren't equipped for our kind of heat. That's and, true. You know, yeah. well, uh, I've been to like Chicago or to the, to the Northeast and they're like, you don't understand. It gets a hundred degrees here. And their 100 degrees and our 100 degrees are not the same. That's yep. right. Uh, mm-hmm. It is completely different, 100 degrees, and it feels like you are walking in a bathtub uh, <laughs> when you were here. <laughs> and the humidity is ridiculous. That is true. That's, that's true. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, that is, that's, the, the humidity makes a difference. It's big. It makes a big difference. It's not the heat, it's the humidity. It is, it yes. is what kills you. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it's both, but yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, 
it's good to be here. Uh, after all that, it's good to be back in the room yeah. with you guys. And so uh, today we have Sean Selman on the mic. We've got good morning. Josh Braddy, Neil Marsh, and Chase Hammock Chase on, is the on the microphone mic. today. So yeah. Hello. He's been waiting for this day for 18 months. You bet. However long I've been employed here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, anyway, so you know, we so what we're going to try to do today is to cover two weeks worth of uh, of topics, and so so we're going to move fast probably, and and maybe not get as deep into some of this as we might have otherwise. But um, so two weeks ago, Josh, you preached on uh, you know idols and and you know the command not do not have idols uh, or bow down to carved images or right um and then uh this week of course you talked about taking the lord's name in vain and so um or not doing yeah, that yeah certainly either. don't do that <laughs> so um so why don't we start with 2 weeks ago and and just kind of talk i know we got a couple of things that we wanted to to at least try to, to try to bring up and and it may lead to some other things but um first of all some of these are, are some really practical technical questions but um Jo- uh, Sean, who are you? Yeah, Sean. I think you brought this up. <laughs> Who's uh, first? You know, is is what are the distinct differences between idols and gods? Yeah, I brought that up. I don't know if I had an answer to you it. Don't you have certainly <laughs> had an answer to it. <laughs> no, what I, would you say, Pastor Sean? Well, I, I I do think you have these two commandments that I that we see God use a, a commandment to say you shall have no other gods, and then you shall not make for yourself an idol. I, I think the the way we talk about gods and idols, we use those interchangeably, right? We yeah, um, yeah. we we talk about this whole idea of if you have an idol in your life and is that idol a god? And and we just kind of in our language we kind of just merge those two words together. Um, here, I think you have God setting Himself apart. First first commandment, He's setting Himself apart as the one true God. Right. Like they're coming out of a culture. Multiple gods, and he's basically saying, "I, I am your God. Mm-hmm. I am the God. Like there, there really is no other God." Um, and he's setting himself apart for those people, um, moving them away from a really polytheistic, multiple god worship into, "I, I want you to worship me and me alone." Right. Um, and so he's establishing himself as one true God. The second part. You shall not make for yourself an idol. They're coming out of a culture where any God they worship, they were going to take something that that God was responsible for or that God had made or something that communicated about the power of that God. They were going to form it and worship it. And he's saying, I, I don't I don't want you to worship a, a form of me. I don't want you to worship right. even any good thing that I've given you. I want you to worship me alone. And so it's it's about worshiping the cre, not worshiping the created versus worshiping the creator. And mm-hmm. so, um, so he's he's establishing kind of two things. And I think for us, we we have things in our own life that the creator has given us, and if we're not careful, we'll mistakenly begin to worship the the good thing the creator has given us instead of the creator himself. And I think that's. That's not necessarily bad things or evil things. I think for the believer, we could actually begin to worship religion, church, spiritual practices, Mm -hmm. all those kinds of things above Mm. 
above God himself. Hey, I got a question for you. So I'm, as we're doing the Ten Commandments, I'm, I'm doing this thing where I'm going back to the Genesis 1 mm-hmm. through 3 and going, is there a principle here that comes from the fall? I'm also looking at Sermon on the Mount, which led me to think, can we replace the word worship with trust? Is that the same thing or is that different? You want to say more to that? Yeah, like an idol. Is it when we talk about worship? For me, worship is like this emotionally laden word that has all these things attached to it of what we think worship is. It's it's involved of gathering with others and singing and praising and is. But in this context, is when God's saying, "Don't uh, don't worship idols, or even don't put take my name in vain." Is can we enter? Can we put trust in? Instead of worship, is it the same thing in this context or no? Give weight to, give trust. Yeah, I think I think give weight to. When I think of worship, it's give weight to or um, give worth to, right? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm For me, I, I, I mean, I, this is, I think that would lead you to trust, maybe. But go ahead. Yeah, no, this is just shooting from the hip. I mean, I I, I think of trust as maybe an aspect of worship, but maybe not worship in its totality. So I don't know that it would be a direct replacement okay. for the word worship, but mm-hmm. but it certainly would would communicate an aspect of worship. That's exactly right, and I would I would say that trust, in my opinion, would be something that precedes worship. Um, okay. If it's going to be genuine worship, I think you can be expressive to things maybe you don't trust or maybe you don't know. But if it is going to be true, I would say. God honoring worship as he calls for, or at least leads us to, that trust has to be there for that to actually be a thing. Because it is ascribing worth. So you you are saying to God, you you are real. You, your promises are true. You are faithful and good. It's hard to say those things uh, authentically if you don't trust. trust. Yeah. So I like where you're going. Did, was there a reason? No, I'm just looking at it. I'm, I'm trying to go back to... I'm just seeing what connects with the original fall and yeah, what Adam and Eve, like that. Yeah. Verse, and I just was like, there was an aspect of worship. You see Cain and Abel with offerings worshiping. With Adam and Eve, it really was a trust thing, I think. Hmm. Um, did they trust what God had huh. said or did they? So, All right, so if I go down what we've just said, at some point, <clears throat> there's a there's an area that they develop a little bit of distrust. So now God carries less weight in that moment. Is it? So... When when Satan enters the picture and says, "Hey," basically creates this idea in their minds that God's holding out on you, mm-hmm. so it creates this <clears throat> idea of distrust. Up until that point, he was he had walked with them, like they were they were having great fellowship with him, but now it's in that moment that they have the distrust that they actually don't give him as much weight mm-hmm. and they trust in themselves more than they actually trust in him. So I, I think, I think it's, yeah, I think as I was, you as you're a, talking just now, I was place. thinking the idea of like going, when we went to Cambodia or Thailand and you'd see the, or even Tanzania for that. Tanzania. Tanzania. Thank you. Like just seeing <laughs> elements of uh, animism or ancestral mm-hmm. worship where they would, they would go light incense and worship there, but then they'd spend the rest of their week really not. They would simply trust that their their relative would just take care of them. Their trust was found, though, in those places, mm-hmm. and it got me thinking of the things that then I would, I may not know I'm worshiping, but I would definitely put my trust in throughout my mm-hmm. daily practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think 
certainly what you just said and the practical aspect of the, I think the danger, we are going to worship what we trust. Mm. And so the very things that stand before us, the very things that are the nearest to us, <laughs> going back to the, to the Genesis narrative, um, it's, it's an aspect that I, I consider, but it's not something that we, we talk about quite often. Um, I think one of the reasons that Adam and Eve uh, are tempted, or at least fall into the temptation, is God had walked with them, but evidently in that moment, God was not with them. They're, 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 they're alone with themselves, with the, the command of God, but not the person of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so oh, in good. the absence of God's presence, they have the command, they, ha- they have the directive, but that's when the enemy comes it's not when God is there. I mean, that, I think that's a whole different narrative. If God is standing with them and the snake comes and says, did God really say? That, that's a whole different thing. But the fact that God's not there, he puts that, that thought in their mind, did, did God really say? And they start thinking, hmm, I don't so know, what did he say? people of Israel, Moses is not there, God's presence is not that, there. That's exactly right. Yeah. Huh. The, this it. man, we don't know what oh, happened to him. That's, so that's really good. we go back to our own way. <clears> hmm. <throat> Okay, so uh, again, I want to I want to try to keep us moving and keep us on track because uh, we we got a lot a lot around. It was fun. It was fun. It was fun. It was a good tangent. Um, so uh, th- so this came up. I, I think going back to the the idols the the idols sermon. Uh, as I remember, Josh, like you did a really good job of talking about. I mean, it's easy for us to condemn people that that we see either outside the church or whatever, where it's obvious, you know, that there's there's you know, idol worship going on or, or, you know, uh, uh, maybe not in the, the, you know, what we would think of and they're not bound down to golden calves, but, you know, uh, but it's much harder sometimes for us to identify the things in our own lives that have become idols. Like, you know, and I think you, you made a comment in our pre podcast conversation just about how sometimes, uh, it's easy, it's easy for us to, to condemn those who are, who we see as mostly wrong. Um, but, but much harder for us to, to see, uh, where we are mm-hmm. maybe only a little wrong, but still wrong. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> well, know? in our mind, in our mind, there are variations of wrong, right? Yeah. There are variations of sin. And as long as your, your sin is, in my opinion, greater than my own sin, yeah. I'm going to feel a lot better about me. Right. Which is completely bogus. Uh, if the, the scriptures teach us completely. Understandably, if you break one part of the law, you've you've broken right. all. Wrong of is the wrong, law. and so there's there's no you sin more than I sin. Therefore, I'm a better I'm a better off sinner than than you are. So so we're all broken. But uh, I think even to Jesus' point, uh, we are always quick to point out the flaw in somebody else, um, and and the the speck in our brother's eye, and, and not worry about the plank in our own eye. But yeah, going going back to I think it was at the very end of the message last week, where we we were talking about different idols and 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 things that are difficult and and. Essentially, if we are running to things that, and I used, uh, gave kind of a, a, a simple test. It's not necessarily a biblical thing in the sense of the Bible says, well, if, if you pass these things or tick these boxes, then you have an idol. But in my own life, I realized that if the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, like if, if we have that list in front of us, again, I don't believe that's exhaustive, but I do think it's comprehensive. If we have that list in front of us and we are running to things to obtain those those attributes, those, those those gifts of God that are outside the person of God, then in my opinion, I am running into something that is idolatry, idolistic. Uh, I'm, I'm in I'm in a danger zone there because I'm running. I, I'm and here's the the worst part of the danger. Whatever that God is is not going to be able to give me that. So if I put my hope and trust in that thing, 
I know it's going to cave in at some point and it's going to leave me wanting more, embarrassed. And then I go back into the cycle of guilt, shame, hiding, because the thing I put my hope in, it, it didn't mm-hmm. pan out for me. So we can look and say, well, worldly things, man, I'm sure, I, I can see idle from a mile away. But what about churchy things? Mm-hmm. What about the things inside the church that we, we may not even know are dangerous to us, but I think they could be? And again, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying that these things are bad, but they are things that Need, need to be considered. So anything outside of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let, let, let's do the Trinitarian view. Anything outside of God is in danger of becoming an idol. Churchy things, uh, worship, music, style, preference, preaching style, preference, whatever it would be, how you dress, how you act, where you go, where you sit. Like like the joke is in Baptist churches, of course, man, you, you got to get there early if you want your seat. And uh, it's not as bad as Broadmoor, but truly at New Palestine, where I came from, this was a part of an effort to, to build the new sanctuary in 1950, but, but families literally bought their own pew. Like hmm. that, it was their pew. They had a plaque on it, the bratty <laughs> pew. The, it was it was in engraved in there. And so, don't you dare let somebody from the outside come in and sit on that pew. Okay, well that that can be idolatry hmm. to to put that above. We we could get that, but what about Bible study? For me, that's that's a struggle hmm. right now, currently in my life, because I'll find myself knowing that I that the Bible is is the thing that is going to help me understand my my God. It's going to help me understand my walk with God. It's going to help me understand my obedience to God. What is God like? What does what pleases him? What what are the things that I'm to be obedient to? I'm found in the word, right? So that thing is a gift to us. It is God's gift to his people. I believe that. But if we put that word above God, so so for example, if we put spending time in the word above spending time with God because they're not the same thing. Mm. But if we put spending time in the word above spending time with God, then that book has become an idol to us. Hmm. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's a gift from God. Yeah. But that very thing that can be a gift, and the next question may be, well, how can you spend time in the Word and not spend time with God? Well, it may be easier even for us as ministers because I think a lot of time we spend our days figuring out how to teach it. How do, we, how do we teach this? How do we apply this? How do we get people to understand this? So we can spend hours in the Word and never once spend a moment with God, hmm. just resting or sitting in his presence, sitting silently for him to speak to us yeah. or our hearts to resonate with his. Yeah. We're reading a book in our uh, life group. Uh, we're ignoring totally the sermon. Good. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> well, we're dear. reading You and Me Forever by Francis and Lisa Chan. Oh. And so two parts here, because it's so beautiful how much it's like coincided with what we've been learning the past few weeks. But in the uh, introduction, he, he talks about uh, Christians that are obese, not in physical stature, but Mm. that just soak up all all the knowledge, like as much possible. I want to know everything about everything. And then that's it. But then, you know, they're just sitting on their butts, not doing, not working out, their faith. Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, not that we're workspace, but where are the fruits of your sure. spirit and stuff like that? Yeah. Not that that's inherently what you're saying, but it, that's what it reminded me of. And then in <laughs> tandem, another, uh, thing that it's pointed out with the, the idolatry stuff is how you can even use your marriage as a form of idolatry, yes. which is like, it makes sense once you start to think about it. But when I'm loving my wife the way I'm supposed to, 
it never once crosses my mind that I may be ignoring these sure. directions from God that, you know, he puts on my heart, yeah. but I feel like I have to take care. I don't want to rock the boat <laughs> for risk of upsetting the rest of my life. You know no, what I mean? I, I yeah. fully understand it. And I think a marriage relationship, your kids, the things that your kids love, like I think all of all of life can can be in danger of being an idol. And that, that's why, again, I don't believe the law was ever meant uh, this will get into this week's uh, topic of measurable. I don't think the law was ever meant to say, well, you did this, now you're out, and you do this, and now you're in. There's the heart of the law. And the heart of the law is always to to help you stay aware. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to where you came from. But as you move forward, also, don't connect yourself to things that aren't going to be life-giving there. And so we live in these these commands or these laws or these, these guide rails as we walk through this life. And, and it's the heart of that law that's going to tie us to the heart of the Father. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Okay, so, uh, so one other question on the, uh, on the idol thing, and then we need to get into the, the, this week's uh, sermon. But, uh, and maybe we can answer this quick. Probably not. Don't know. But um, so, and and I think this is another Sean question. Okay. Uh, so this may have come up in your life group or, or some some context like that. Uh, so I want to be sure that we at least uh, mention it. Uh, and it was the idea of so in the in the story. So when the Ten Commandments were the, were given, so Moses comes down the mountain. He sees the the people worshiping the the calf. Um, he uh, throws the tablet down, destroys the tablet. He, he draws the line in the sand and says, hey, all who are stand with God, come over here with me, those who don't, and then those who didn't got slaughtered, right? Hmm. So the Levites were a part <clears throat> of those who, who stood with Moses. And uh, so, and the question was asked, is that why they were given the, the blessing of being the, the priestly tribe? Um, and I, I think there was two parts. Is that the reason they were given the gift of being the priest uh-huh. and why, why for that? Because in, um, <clears throat> on Jacob's deathbed, when he blesses all of his children, he actually curses, uh, the Le- Simeon, I think, I believe it was Simeon and Levites for mm. violence being a part of who they were. Mm. And so do these th- things go against one another? Right. <clears throat> and, this may not be the short answer we thought. This may not be the short answer. But if I could, I haven't had time to really dig in, but here's, uh, I think here's a thought in all of that, especially when you look at uh, lineages, like you, you look at Jesus's lineage, those kinds of things. Um, I think the bigger picture is what is what is God trying to show us? And it's a picture of redemption and grace. Um <clears throat> that he can take broken people and they can they can become we used the word ambassadors yesterday to move us into yesterday's sermon for him right um if you look at just well if you look at all of the old testament patriarchs like any any renowned person in the old testament that we would go oh here's 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 a person that stood for god all of them had major flaws mm-hmm. like like none were perfect. Mm-hmm. J- just like n- there is no other person that's perfect besides Jesus. And so in God's incredible grace and mercy, he's able to offer us a way out of brokenness. And and so the story becomes more about him than it becomes about the Levites or Jacob or Moses or 
the Israelites. Mm. Um, it's about his faithfulness and his mercy, his grace. Um, I, I would, I would encourage us to live there. I think it's good to ask the questions, how That's they right. all connect. Um, and so I, I mean, it intrigued me. I'll, I'll do some more research in it, but, uh, yeah. but, but I think for the just initial answer, I think it's a, it's about God's grace and mercy. I agree with that answer. Mm. Very good. Very good. Thank good you. Good question. Good Thank answer. Thank you, Sean. Uh, okay, so so let's let's leave that that uh, that message for for time, and let's let's come into uh, uh, the message from this past Sunday. Um, so we were talking about the third commandment: uh, uh, do not take the Lord's name in vain. And um, so, Josh, you you talked about. Uh, you set up an interesting interpretation. I mean, you kind of gave the literal interpretation of that. You you went back, kind of used Hebrew. Um, so the word take, you said, is, is, is actually trans, translated Nasa. lift up. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so... Uh, so how does what, you know, maybe, maybe it'd be good to just start by... Well, let's ask this question first. Is it necessary... To know Hebrew, um, to to really understand Scripture, and uh, and understand what what God is is really saying to us, because I would venture to Man, say that most not. of the people I'm in trouble. <laughs> most of the people sitting in that room yesterday, if I had to guess, if sure. they grew up in church, right, their understanding of that commandment really was, hey, don't don't use God's name in profanity, right. You could use profanity, just don't use his name yeah, tied to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, right? it's okay. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So th- that's kind of wild. So to, to answer the question, no, you, you don't need Hebrew to understand God's word. Although, I do believe that if you understand that the Bible is not written in English, and by the time it, it gets to your eyes, it has come through probably a few translations. Mm-hmm. And if you want the most um, accurate of translations in the sense of, who wrote it, the audience to which they wrote it to, and the reason why they're writing it, and the words that they choose, if we believe every word is inspired, I think understanding Hebrew is going to be helpful. Now, here's where I think the church is important, as opposed to someone saying, well, I don't need the church, and I don't need the corporate gathering. I can just read the Bible on my own and get where I want to go. Well, every time, even in the Old Testament, we see where God God would instruct his his leaders, his religious leaders, to stand before the people, open the scrolls, read it, and then make it make sense. So, so there's there's commands: stand, gather all of Israel, stand up, and read the holy scriptures, and tell them what it means. And so, that is what church should be doing. That's why I, me personally, but also I believe our philosophy here at Broadmoor is expository preaching. And it's this idea that every week we're going to gather with the sole purpose of opening the scriptures, reading it out loud, and trying to make it as make as much sense as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Because there may be people in our, our congregation, many people, probably 99% of our people, who've never thought about Hebrew. But it would do well for us to have ministers who have, or at least yeah. have tools to to dig deeper into the word so we can make it give an account for the church so that we are all complete, like all being our church, our, our body of believers who sit under that teaching, who are encouraged, who who are edified, who are built up and have a proper understanding. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't, I don't think that you as, as a, a church member or a Christian, even for that matter, necessarily need to know Hebrew, but I think that you need to submit yourself to someone 
or, or a group of people who are teaching that have a deeper understanding than just English yeah. translation of the word so you can hear and, and grasp not only the meaning, like not only to say, oh, well, now I know the word for take is NASA. Sounds like NASA. Lift up. A rocket going into space. Oh, that's cool. No, no. But to understand the application of that is, as a Christian, you're the ambassador. You you hold high the name of Christ everywhere you go, whether you want to or not. Yeah. You need to be told that and encouraged to do so rightly. And that's what the beauty of the corporate gathering should be doing. And I do think it's cool for us to, if we if we equip others to be disciple makers, it's important that uh, a follow of Christ in their sanctification and Bible study. It's a great question to ask. So, hey, what does the Greek say? What does the Hebrew say? Those are, I think we want everyone to ask those kind of yeah. questions mm-hmm. because that leads to deeper understanding yeah. and deeper application. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's say, you know, assuming that, that, you know, most of the people in our church are not Bible scholars, they haven't been to seminary, they haven't, you know, studied Hebrew or Greek. Um, and we've talked about practical resources before mm-hmm. on, in podcasts, but it's been a while. So for someone who, who, who just, okay, I don't, I didn't go to school for this, but I just want to have some sort of, uh, uh, initial dive into mm-hmm. a resource that might uh, help me understand better the original language. Uh, what resources could we point them to? Quick and easy would be Blue Letter Bible. Like, that's free. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you want to go deeper, of course, commentaries. Uh, I would be careful about commentaries. Know who you're reading. Right. And um, Blue Letter Bible being a, a blueletterbible.com. Blue a web-based yes. resource, yeah. Um, and uh, if you want to dig deeper, Logos is a great software tool that does some what I would describe as inline stuff where you don't have to leave and go somewhere else. You can click on it, and it, as you read, it kind of moves along with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's no. Yeah. Are there certain are there certain Bibles that you guys like? I have different Bibles. I use oh. for different things. So for me, if I'm trying to read a lot, I may choose like an NIV. Or mm. my dad brought me to faith with an NLT that I still have. Uh, I'll read lots of it. Yeah. Um, but if I'm doing a, a Bible a study, I'm probably going to hang out in the English Standard Version, the ESV, yeah. or the CSB. Right. Just mm-hmm. for, or even the NASB, the yeah. New American. But what about you guys? Yeah, I think I think it is helpful to read different translations because that may actually give you insight to uh, words, right? Mm-hmm. So um, an interesting uh, Bible, uh, if you've never picked one up, is an Amplified. Um, that may give you s- several different ideas for the same word. Um, and in that, what they're trying to do is take, here's what our English word says, but here's, here's some what other the original nuances, concept yeah. was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is helpful to read out of different translations. And um, maybe a helpful conversation in the future maybe to look at the Bibles, because your Bibles are written on different reading levels. Um, and so for... Uh, for someone who's like wanting to read a lot, it may be easier to go to a lower reading level to consume more. All right. Um, if I want to study, I, I think also study Bibles. A lot of study Bibles will give you insight into mm-hmm. Greek and Hebrew sometimes. Um, Here's a side note about what kind of <laughs> what kind of father I am. When Catherine graduated high school, I think, or her her senior year, I bought her a library. <laughs> of a like library. Book, a library of things she would need. <laughs> Later on, of course, she, you did. <laughs> of course I did. But it was things like a Bible dictionary, uh, expository commentary. But it was yeah. like you're gonna. I've seen how she's yeah. equipped and how she's uh, how she dad. thinks. Yeah, and how she thinks she'll be a teacher one day in a local church. Sure. So 
Um, Here's some basic tools. If you want to be a really nerdy parent, yeah, that's you know, so good. I was thinking about getting Gideon like a thirty out six or something. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, 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 that's <laughs> not. <yeah. laughs> hey, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, l- let's say you don't know um, Greek, Hebrew, you don't study it. I think another interesting thing about the Bible is is studying it um, comprehensively, not just the pull of verse. That's right. Yeah, but mm. because. Because even if you even if you do an English word study of the word vain, mm-hmm. it's going to take you to some New Testament passages where Paul talks about right. believing in vain, laboring vain, preaching in vain. Well, well, if I think about it, I can I can get there saying, "Hey, wait!" The Lord said, "Don't take His name in vain." And and as I live out life, as Paul's describing, there's there can be a tendency that I take on the name. Christian, I take on the name of Christ, mm-hmm. and I live in such a way that I'm not lifting it high. Right. I'm, I'm living in, I'm believing in vain. I'm living in vain. Yes, I'm laboring in vain. Mm. Um, and so, even just a, a English, an English word study yep. of the word vain may lead you to a place of understanding more than just the words I use, but how yeah. I live. Yeah. So, so let's double down on just so everybody is crystal clear. Do you need Hebrew? To understand and, and Greek and Aramaic to understand God's word for yourself. No, no. You you can read your English translation is sufficient right. for your walk with the Lord Jesus to help you understand who He is, what He requires of you, and how to walk obedient in it. That's absolutely right. But I I think in your English translations you you need to practice good, fun seminary word here hermeneutics, making sure that you never pick one verse. Uh, I remember a line that our seminary professor would say all the time: one verse does not a theology make. Uh, and so you don't get to pick one verse and say, well, that's everything that I need to know. And, and so it's there. So when you get to don't take the Lord's name in vain, if you were just quick to say, well, you know, don't use God's name in a cuss word, that's taking one, one verse and making uh, an understanding and an application out of it. It is making a theology out of one verse. So read the Bible in its totality. Read the Ten Commandments in all ten, understanding that you have, you have ten of them. Four of them are vertical to God, the first four, and then the other six are going to be horizontal, and that is going to be how we love God and how we love people. So when we get to the New Testament, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love God and love people. For those two, all the laws of the, all the, laws of the prophets hang, hang on, on them. This. So we have this idea of Jesus nailing a, a, a hanger, a picture hanger, on a wall and taking the Ten Commandments and the other 613 and hanging it on something. And the thing that supports all of them is love God and love people. That's and right. so you don't get that if you just say, well, here, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Hmm. You got to have all of it. One last resource I'd love. And Chase, you had a question. Yeah, yeah it may be. We're I'm, past it? Maybe. Okay. I just don't want to backtrack too much okay. with our limited time. <laughs> well, the, the resource that I really like, particularly uh, when I'm doing a verse, if you go to BibleGateway.com, mm. it's Preach. a fantastic one. You go there and you put in a verse. So like, let's say you are coming here and you are in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. And then, so this, this is, I think other things would do this, but Bible Gateway is the one that I use all the time. Put in that verse. And then if you do just the one, it's going to pop up in whatever translation you have in your, your pop-down menu. But there's going to be a link right under it or a word that says, view all English translations in this verse. And you click it, and every English translation that they have is listed out for you. And you see how those translations are the same and how they differ, how they use similar words and different words. And so if you find that 50 references down, 
we're using all the same word, then great. I think we're, we're pretty close on what the original text says. But if you look at that and it starts shifting and you see smattering of words, then you're going to get the heart of that text right. and understand what that's going to mean. And so it's been a really helpful tool for me. Yeah. That's good. No Hebrew required. Yep. <laughs> that's good. Go. That's good. All right, Chase, will we pass on your question? Or you? It depends on if you're about to wrap up or not. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean... We don't. We don't have to. We can. We can take a few more minutes. Well, the only reason I was gonna, the other thing I was going to ask is you mentioned commentaries and do your due diligence with authors and stuff. But I'm thinking through our life group, and there's young believers in there mm-hmm. who are going to have zero context for how great of a advocate for Christ C.S. Lewis is. Right. And, like, and you know, so like. If you had just list off like five authors that are consistent, consistent for you in commentary or helping you further understand the Bible, who would that, would, that be? I would forever say what everybody should either you get it on Logos and buy the whole set, or you buy them one at a time in your study as the Christ-centered exposition. Yeah, that's a great one. So it's it's kind of a newer one, and, and they're still being put out today by by new like authors who are alive today, um, and and um, the guy at uh, Southeastern Seminary, Dr. Mm-hmm. What's the, the president's name? Aiken, Danny Aiken. 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 Uh, he's the main editor, the guy who's right. putting this together. And so a lot of you know current seminary scholars mm-hmm. are right. putting it together. It is uh, what we would consider devotional and commentary style, meaning right. you read it, it's gonna give you great background, great context, but it's always gonna give you application. Right. So you can read it as your morning devotion, your daily oh. devotion mm-hmm. and be encouraged by it. That's right. So Christ-centered exposition, Get it on Amazon. Yeah. They're roughly cheap. And the thing I like about that one too, as compared to, you know, some much older commentaries, is is it's actually again, it's it's on a reading level that's that's, that's really right. easy yeah. to grasp. Mm-hmm. You that's know, my more academic when I go the yeah. the new American commentary all the time. Right. For me. Yeah. The neck. A, but it's <clears throat> yeah. it's more academic, so it's gonna be more dense. Yeah. Right. But, but if so you dense. like to dive deep, that commentary is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um I, I would in, so just a practice I have. Google is your friend, right? You can you can learn a lot of things from it. Like if you see a commentary with an author, type the author's name in, find out what denomination he's with. Mm-hmm. Is he is he a seminary professor? Has he done extensive work in studying this book? I mean, like you can you can find out all that information from a Google search. And yeah. so, because um, you're going to come across in commentaries a lot of names that are not very common. Right. I would say uh, among the church the church, like they're not going to be your preachers. They're not, you have some preachers that write commentaries, but a lot of them are biblical scholars that are teaching in, on a university seminary level that you've probably never heard of. Yeah. And so, so you can do a search. Um, there, uh, I'm, there's a site that actually rates best commentaries for, uh, I think it, I think that may be it. Um, But anyway, it, it lists out. When you out. think of it later, t- send yeah, it to me. I, I'll put I it will. in the show notes. So right, that'd so be great. I, yeah. I'll give you the one that I use and send to people here. Uh, it's Dr. Aiken, so the guy who put the Christ-centered exposition yeah. together. He wrote a really, really long document called How to Build a Theological Library. Uh, and he breaks it up into three categories, and it's going to be theological, uh, pastoral, and devotional. And he gives his top ones on not just all the books of the Bible, but also topics of the Bible. So it, it's like a Google Docs sheet. It might be 100, mm-hmm. 120 pages long. But it, let's say you want to study more about the book of John, or you want to study about the Holy Spirit. You can go to that document, and you can see from a trusted resource what their top 20 are, but then they'll star, he'll star the top three. 
So if you if you have a, a limited book budget and you're looking for a book or two books on this topic, you can reference that sheet and go directly there. And it's mm. called uh, How to Build a Theological Library. And you can get it through Googling Dr. Aiken, How to Build a Theological Library, or you can go to Southeastern Seminary's website and do that there. I'm going to – a thought for me. Uh, I, I've heard you say this before, and I believe it's right, which is if – if you're doing commentary work or reading stuff and you find an idea about a passage that no one else has considered, mm-hmm. be careful. That's probably not that's right. the right idea, right? Right. right. Like that's um, you looking for consensus among people who are trusted. With that being said, I like to kind of, for me personally, as long as I can land on a really healthy orthodox spot, I like to look at other people who, who would disagree with the passage too. Right. Because even that, reading those things helps me understand where I, how I come back to my, my belief. Um, so I like to pull in some stuff that, mm-hmm. like, uh, to me, N.T. Wright, I like to – but he's probably not theologically where I am yeah, a lot N- of things. N.T. Wright is one of my favorite yeah. commentators, but he's Church of England. Right. And, and where we would understand right. it here, he's Anglican. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then another one of my favorites, R.C. Sproul. Like, if, if I have a commentary that I'm going to do, his all of his commentaries are fantastic there's some things I don't agree. I mean, he's he's fully Presbyterian. Uh, you know, I, I don't believe in um, infant baptism, um, but he's he's big into infant baptism, and and that's just not something I can get behind. But as far as theology and how to apply the word, man, I love R.C. Sproul. But to Neil's point, we, we got to know who our people are that we're reading to understand that in, in function and practice, we may be in a whole different group. And again, let me be clear. Don't live in a Baptist world live in a biblical world. Mm. If, right. if the Bible is true, that's what we believe. If the application is right, I don't care if you're Baptist or, or Episcopalian or Presbyterian, at the end of the day, we, we are biblicist. We, we want to be centered on, on Christ as shown through his word. Mm. So with our life group lessons and the content that we, that we pull together in-house, we provide commentary that we know is pretty solid and provide that for life group leaders so there's at least a basic commentary set that they can use right there. Mm. Oh, last last one, gospelproject.com. Mm. Um, they are mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. And their work on the Ten Commandments or yeah. anything law. Gospel Project, wonderful. Bible Project, which one? Bible Project. Okay. Bible Project. Gospel Project. Gospel Project. The, the Gospel Project is <laughs> LifeWay's Bible yeah. And it's great, too. The yeah. so Bible I love, Project. I love the Bible Project's like yeah. book overviews. Yeah, Tim you Mackey. Know, the, the videos that they do. They're, you can just go to their YouTube channel, yeah. and it's it's all right, right. there. Wealth Easy to track down. It's so good. Hey, I found the website, bestcommentaries.com. And so they rank them, mm-hmm. but you can also search them like take Exodus, commentaries on Exodus. And what it does is it lists them out. It tells you what type of commentary it is. Is it is it technical? Is it uh, devotional? But it also kind of tells you um, where that author, if they're evangelical, if they're Jewish, if they're Baptist, Catholic, so on and so forth. And so so you have – and like Neil said, I encourage you to read lots of different things. But but the, this gives you a context of who they are and what what denomination or what belief system or theology they're writing from. So That's good. That's exactly That's good. where you want to take us, right, Mike? Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I had no idea when I, when I asked the question about practical resources that it was going to take us that Sorry. far down the rabbit hole. And what booth, you're welcome. <laughs> but but you uh, know us, and you know that's <laughs> there you go. yes. Everything goes down the rabbit hole. So um, no, hey, uh, it, it was good good conversation, I, and I hope it's helpful to to some of our listeners. And and 
uh, it, you know, if you want more, uh, you know, just more context on the actual sermon, <laughs> then uh, go listen to it and, um, and try your best. Yeah. So no, uh, with your new, with your new commentaries that you just, there you right. go. I think it was, I think, I think it was really clear and, uh, and really helpful. So hopefully you're listening to those messages before you listen to this podcast anyway. So, um, Hey, we are out of time, so it's it's good to, to be in the room with you guys and, and uh, always love these these discussions. Mm-hmm. It's always great. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. Y'all are the best. Love you guys. Love you guys. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others, and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.